So welcome. If you are uh, visiting with us today, we'd love to know that you are here. Uh, we have the seat backs in front of you, unless you're in the front row, in which case it's on the seat back behind you. There's connect cards. Uh, if you write down your information, we can keep in touch. Um, you will not be bombarded with sales pitches. Just a bit means for us to, uh, to know who you are and that you're here today. Um, also, there's prayer cards there, and there are offering envelopes. Uh, we are not part of the denomination. Everything that we do is supported by the people who are participants in the mission of New Song Church. Uh, so thank you everyone for doing that together. Uh, we're going to hear the scripture for this morning now. Uh, Ellie's going to read that for us. It's in Acts chapter 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them.
the doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here! The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Amen. Thanks, kids. for those kiddos. I don't know what it is about kids, but, you know, they're so cute on Sunday morning. They're not so cute Sunday afternoon. Or Sunday in, in the morning when you're like, no, don't wear that, wear this. And, oh, no, I don't... I don't mm. Where's my son? He wanted to wear shorts today, but he's grown like 15 inches since the last time he wore shorts. And I was like, buddy, not those shorts. And he's like, mom, in his deep voice, his deep 12-year-old voice. Well, good morning. My name is Melody. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to have you with us this morning. Glad to see familiar faces. Glad you are here. Uh, it is Palm Sunday this morning, and today we are raising a hallelujah as many, many people shouted back, back, back then when they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, right? So um, you're going to hear a lot about Holy Week later on, and I really, really, really invite you to pay attention to that. I'm going to pray for the rest of our gathering today. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, for this morning, God. Thank you for the kids and all of their sweetness and all of their just willingness to be up here. Thank you for the musicians who um, were just uh, bringing us uh, just some beautiful songs this morning, God. God, thank you for uh, the coffee this morning and the snacks and um, light in the building, Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, Lord, I pray for every person here this morning, God. Would you uh, speak to us as only you can and only you will? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today I would like to tell you about my best friend. Her name is Lupe. And some of you guys, I've talked about her in here before. Some of you guys know her. And as a pastor, uh, you should know that if you're my friend or my family or anyone in this room, I'm pretty much going to use you for any sermon illustration I want. Okay? So she didn't know she signed on for this, but she's signing on for this. So, um... Lupe and I have known each other since we were teeny tiny fourth graders, like some of the people you saw this morning, and uh, since we were nine years old. And just this past weekend, um, she came into town because um, we were celebrating my daughter's 15th birthday. Now, in my Argentine culture and in the Hispanic culture, we celebrate something called a quinceanera. And that's what we were doing with her. Some of them are big, like weddings, but mine was not a big wedding. Mine was a party at our house. 
And so uh, it was, it's kind of like the American Sweet 16, I think. I think I can kind of compare those. I'm going to show you a picture here with Lupe and my 15-year-old. And so Lupe always has a great tan, you know? She's, al she's always sun-kissed. Uh, so whenever we stand next to each other, I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to show up in the picture because you're standing right next to me. Anyway. Um, but Lupe took time out of her busy schedule, and she brought her eldest son, Zeke, with her. And Tino, uh, her husband, had to watch the three little ones. So it was quite a significant effort for her to be here, for her to be here for me as her friend when I invited her. Hey, come down. Come down for this party. Um, it was significant for her, and I was so grateful to have her. It was also significant for us because X amount of years ago, we were standing together at my quinceanera, and I have a photo here. Let's see if it shows up. There's me in the middle, and Lupe is uh, circled right there at the end, and that's when I turned 15, and um, just a group of our family, a group of our friends, so it was so weird that she was at my quinceanera, and then she's coming to my daughter's, and in X amount of years, we'll be at her daughter's. Um, so uh, we've gone through, uh, you know, different uh, roads of education. We've gotten uh, started career paths in different directions, and um, we've gotten married. We've had a bunch of kids, and for several years, actually, Lupe, Tino, and the kids were an active part here at New Song Church. Um, she was sitting right here when I gave my first sermon at New Song. Uh, she was a part of the mom-to-mom -mom ministry team for several years. Um, Tino was a part of the pantry team for a really long time. Um, but the, for the past four years or so, they have been living in Texas. They moved away a while ago. And so, um, you know, our, our relationship has maintained itself through long distance, through Marco Polo, through text messages, through whatever. And she's the kind of friend that you can just pick up right where you left off. Do you guys have these people in your lives? Um, so she walked into my house Saturday afternoon, and we sounded like 15-year-olds again. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, here you are. I love you. I miss you so much. And about three seconds later, she says, okay, put me to work. And right when she said that, I said, okay, I have like 14 jobs for you. Okay, so I put her to roll some taquitos that we fried up later. She did uh, some of the photo booth room. She had to run to Party City because someone who will remain unnamed, but he's sitting behind Grant and Ron over here. <laughs> Somebody, not, not Adam, that guy right there. Somebody forgot the candles. You had one job, right? You had one job. I'm just kidding. He had many, many, many jobs. Um, but uh, I sent her on crazy errands, and anyway, she was my camera girl throughout the party, and um, our friendship, when we see each other, we haven't skipped or missed a beat with each other. We just pick up right where we left off, despite the distance and despite the time that has passed between us and our homes. I know that she's there for me, and I'll be there for her, and today I want to talk to you about a different friendship and that is the friendship of Paul and Silas. And probably, uh, if you know anything about Paul and Silas, the most well-known story of Paul and Silas are a pair of friends who get thrown in jail together. Now, Lupe and I have never been in jail together, but there is still time. <laughs> so maybe next time I talk about her, we'll be behind bars. I don't know. It's just research, right? Um, 
but the story of Paul and Silas in jail is pretty incredible. And in, these, um, in this series that we have been in during this Easter season, we have been asking the question, where is God in our stories? And where is God in the stories of these Bible characters? Now, we just read, you know, that God made himself very clear uh, he, he made himself very clear when he set Paul and Silas free from their chains while they were in jail. But we have also been looking at the lesser known parts of the story, the less obvious parts of the story, a part we might miss. So today, I want to look at the connection between Paul and Silas. I want to look at their connection with others today, and I want to talk about the mission and the vision that they carried with them. So if you don't know who Paul and Silas are, I'll give you a little bit of history here. So Paul was actually a man who was hunting down and persecuting, murdering, arresting Christians until he had a direct encounter with Jesus on the side of the road. And from that point on, he became a faithful follower of Jesus. He was transformed by God into a man who was influential in spreading the gospel in that area at that time. And Silas is a man who we don't get too many details on, but in Acts 15, we meet this man named Silas. And people uh, talk about him, and they talk about him in this way. They say he's a church leader. He was a prophet. He was a faithful worker. And in Acts chapter 16, the prison story unfolds around these two friends. So we saw, let, let's put the verse up there, I'm going to go through it quickly here, that a mob formed around Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped of their clothes and beaten with rods. So it doesn't say just beaten or clubbed, it says severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the innermost dungeon and clamp their feet in stocks. So can you imagine this scene? Again, we've talked about how sometimes these stories that we read sometimes seem like, you know, a fantasy kind of storybook characters, but these are people like you and me, flesh and blood, skin and bones, severely beaten, thrown in jail. So uh, the story goes on. They're beaten, they're bloody, they probably have swollen faces, swollen eyes from, the, from getting dragged in jail, and they were thrown into this deep, dark cell. Who knows what that cell had in it, right? Maybe bugs, maybe rodents, I don't know. Uh, we have a picture here that Justin let me share. Um, when Justin and Electra uh, went to Europe, they were able to see this cell that is supposedly the cell that Paul was held in, Paul and Silas were held in during that time. So uh, what do you think these two friends might have been talking about during that time? I mean, once they gained consciousness and they were able to maybe even open their mouths, what do you think they said to each other? Well, I'll tell you in a second, I'm gonna read on. Verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was an earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So again, imagine this scene. Like, do you think you would look at your friend like, what, what just happened here? What do we, do, do we go, do we stay, do we, you know? What, what do you think that you would be doing to your friend, talking to your friend about? 
Verse 27, the jailer woke to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord and all who lived with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. He brought them into his house. I skipped a part. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So my goodness, what a couple of hours, right? Sometimes I think my hours are kind of crazy, but this is pretty intense. And yes, God is in the story. The fact that Paul and Silas, neither of them died during this beating. The fact that Paul and Silas were singing prayers during this time. You, you guys know that I'm all about singing, right? Someone said to me this morning, are you going to sing a little today, Melody? But no, I stayed away. I almost made it into a musical, but maybe next time. Um, so they were singing, right? And we see God when the jailer almost kills himself, but Paul and Silas speak up just in time. We see God's grace and mercy when, these, when, God, when um, the jailer takes Paul and Silas home. And what did it say? He washed their wounds. He cleaned them up. He cared for them. He feeds them. So yes, we see God in this story. But I don't know about you, but I feel like the story is a little bit incomplete for me. It's a little bit incomplete because... You know, the story doesn't give much, just a few sentences exchanged here or there during, you know, important moments. But we talked about this in small group, how sometimes the Bible is like a really great series that just drops characters and you're like, what just happened? Where's that character? Or that guy has nothing to say now, right? Am I, we're the only ones? Yes, you agree? Um, so... The story, as far as I'm concerned, is not complete because there's clearly, clearly more conversation that has happened here. There's clearly more conversations, but we just don't get to read about it. What did Paul and Silas talk about while they were in jail? While they were hurting, while they were filthy, while they were, their sticky blood was dried on their skin? What were they talking about? What were they saying to each other to get through these long hours of the night? What were they saying? What led them to begin singing praises? Did they look at each other and say, hey, you know what song would be really good to sing right now? How about raise a hallelujah? What, what were they saying? What were they saying to each other? It probably even took a few minutes for the jailer to get to them, right? It said he called for lights and then they came and he assumed they had escaped, but no, they were still there. What did they say to each other when they saw those chains, when they saw their stocks broken? What did they say? There's so much in this, in this account that is not recorded. So again, I think back to my, my best friend Lupe. What would I say to her during this time when I think she might be hurt or she might be scared or she might have broken bones? What would I say to her? When I think about those things, I think I can come up with some things they might be talking about. Let me pray for your aches, my friend. Oh, let me see how I can help your wound. I have nothing, but let me see if I can hold it closed for a little bit. 
Let's sing a song to pass the time, my friend. What did, what did they say to each other? And then when Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house, none of those conversations are recorded either. None of them. What, did they say, okay, Paul, you talk to the family. Silas, I'll talk to maybe the servants in the house. Let's divide and conquer. Let's save this entire household. What, what do you think the conversations were? I don't, I don't know what the conversations were, but I know what their mission was. I know what their vision was. And at this point in time, they're working together, different, working through different scenarios. They're praying for each other. They're listening to each other. All the while being on point with the task at hand, which is Jesus. They're on point with the task at hand. So I believe that God is in this story, in their connection. I believe that God is in this story, in their connection, and he brought them together for a specific purpose. And here's the thing about their connection and this specific purpose. Paul and Silas, according to historians, weren't really together for a whole lot of time. They were only really together for about two years. In the very next chapter, Silas stays behind in one of the cities as Paul moves on to Athens. So Paul moves on and Silas stays. They parted ways, but the impact that they made with their connection and with the purpose. Not just this friendship, but these guys had many, many connections during this time that was a vital time to spread the good news of Jesus throughout this area. And I can name person after person here. So Paul and Silas, they were connected to Barnabas. And Barnabas was together with Paul when he first converted to Christianity to, to begin his belief in his walk with, with Jesus. And they worked together for about seven years. Then Mark and Barnabas and Paul, they worked together for a time and, and Barnabas and Mark split for different reasons and they went on their own way. But later on, Paul writes and asks Mark to come to him. Later on, another guy, Timothy, had a mentor-type relationship with Paul. He was younger. Paul spends time with Luke. He makes good friends with a woman named Lydia who heard Paul's message, and she becomes a valuable resource to Paul during this time. So many connections. And each of these people have their own story. Each of these connections have their own story. So many details of their stories that, we, that are just not recorded we don't get to hear them. But Paul and Silas are connected to different communities and Barnabas is connected to... So imagine like arrows coming out of all of those names and all the people they are connected to on their own. The story doesn't just stop because there's no recording of it. The mission doesn't stop because there's no recording of it. The vision doesn't stop because there's no recording of it. They kept on their mission. Their stories go on and on. And their mission and their connection and their vision stays on task because what brought them together in the first place? Jesus. And that's their task and that's the goal. So I'd like to say it's kind of reflective of our lives right? It's kind of reflective 
of our lives and sometimes we go different ways and our friends, you know, go somewhere else like Lupe. Lupe moved on to Texas, right? She moved on to Texas, but their story doesn't stop there. Lupe and Tino have been part of a church plant in their city and I've been able to hear about that and, and you know, get to know some of the details there. The mission and vision of Jesus doesn't stop just because we don't, we don't hear about it. We learn from one another. It doesn't stop. I can imagine you and all the communities you guys are connected to. And what does God want to do with your connections? Remember I said as soon as Lupe walked in the door, I, she asked, what can I do? And I had about 15 different tasks for her to do. Well, the relationship with these guys is kind of the same. They pick up right where they left off. It doesn't skip a beat. Here's a couple of verses. Judas and Silas, Silas, both being prophets, spoke to length that their believers encouraging and strengthening their faith. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. They went from town to town instructing believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Here's when Paul is nearing his last days. What does he do? He calls for his friends in Timothy. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. The next verse, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. He even asks for his coat at one point and his papers. What like a human thing to do, right? Again, sometimes we kind of imagine these storybooks, but this one says, when you come, bring sure to leave, be sure to bring the coat I left. Bring my papers, bring my books. These stories don't skip a beat. The story is bigger than we realize, and there's so much room for everyone for all of them and all the connections they had in the different towns. So what about us? What about us in our stories? You know that Grant and I both don't like to say, okay guys, here's what you gotta do. You gotta serve more, you gotta give more, you gotta do more, you gotta, we don't like to do that most of the time, okay? Because sometimes we're like, okay guys, let's, let's put the pedal to the metal here. But, that, but I don't think that's the issue at hand today. Today I'm gonna to say, let's ask ourselves some questions. Let's ask ourselves some questions. Well, should we go home and call all our long distance friends? Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe you need to go home and check up on a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, who was part of your journey. It's important to appreciate those who have helped us along the way, yes? It's very important. It is important to stay connected to the people who offer us encouragement for our weary hearts. Yes? Yes. Last week someone said, how can I help? And I said, just, just be you. Just be you. Call me, check on me, smile at me. Just be you. And I have people in this very room who do that. I get cards in the mail that I love. I love mail. I get anonymous chocolate in my box. Whoever does that, you are my favorites. Um, and I have people in this very room who say to me, whatever you need, whatever you need. Relationships are vital to our lives, but what about the rest of it? Does, it? does the task end there with the people we know and love and the people we see on Sunday mornings and, and the people that maybe we just serve while we're doing that particular ministry? 
Does it end when we're serving just pantry guests on Thursdays, on Saturdays? Does it end just there? There's so much more to the story. There's so much more to the story. Paul and Silas, it goes beyond their connection. We are all connected to different communities. We are all able to carry the mission and vision of Jesus with us to those communities. So where are you going today? Let's start with today. Where are you going today? Right, let's, okay, so after church, it's Soup Sunday. Hopefully everyone's staying for soup, okay? Yes? Come on. All right, I don't make two soups for nothing. Come on. Who brought soup today? Raise your hand. Oh boy, that's gonna have to be loaves and fishes. Rana, you brought soup, I know, yeah? We'll do, we'll do soup in a cup. That's what we'll do today, soup in a cup. Maybe you're shy and you don't want to admit because it was an experiment. I get it. One of them is kind of an experiment. You'll have to, don't tell me actually. Don't tell me what you thought of it. But maybe you're staying for Soup Sunday today. Maybe you're staying for Soup Sunday. Hey, look out for someone that maybe you don't know that well. Look for someone older, look for someone younger. And you can just simply start with hello, hello. What do you think of Melody's soup? I don't know, I like Rana's a little bit better. Hers is always gonna be better than mine, by the way. It is. No, don't feel sorry for me, it's just better. Okay, where will you be later today? Anyone going to the mall? Anyone going to Costco? Anyone going to Target? No? Baseball game, okay. Where are you going today? Come on. Zoom? Oh, the zoo, the gym. What? The sto- what store? What? The grocery store? What does that mean? <laughs> A little late, Ron. It's okay. Um, well, wherever you go, wherever you go, do, do you guys just check your Jesus card in and out of church on Sunday morning? Is it like a punch card? Sometimes, thank you for being honest, sometimes, sometimes we do that. And am, am I asking you to wear a big Jesus badge, like I am a follower of Jesus, and only wear like, you know, big cross t-shirts, or, I, that's also a big don't do that. Don't do that. We don't want to push people away from the mission and vision of Jesus by saying dumb things or doing dumb things, right? Which we're all guilty of doing dumb things sometimes. Yes? Just me? Come on. Yes? Yes. I got to tell you that sometimes when, you know, you kind of you can get a feel for someone walking towards you and you know, like, that they're coming to you with some sort of something, and I just want to, like, disappear into a bush, because sometimes I feel like, oh, just, just be normal for a second. Just ask how I'm doing. There used to be someone who came here quite often, and they moved away, so it's, not, it's fine. We didn't scare them away or anything, or didn't kick them out the door. But this woman would come up to me every Sunday at the coffee cart and be like, how is Jesus speaking to you today, Melody? And I'm like, I'm just pouring my coffee. How about just, hi, how are you? Like, can you just, can you keep it simple for a second? Right, we all take the mission and vision of Jesus with us, but that comes with some simple connection first, yes? That comes with a, hey neighbor, I see you're seeding your grass today, 
Or, hey, neighbor, I see you got a new dog. Or, hey, coworker, oh, um, how was your vacation to whatever? Or, hey, student that I'm in a class with, like, did you have a good weekend? It's about simple connection. This is what Paul says about that. In 1 Corinthians, he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the Holy Spirit. So plain and simple. Start with a plain and simple connection. So you're here now. Everyone's going to get a cup of soup. We've determined that. So you can say, hello, how are you? Who knows where you'll be later? But the mission and vision of Jesus is, hey, take interest in people. Open your eyes to those around you. Who are you connected to on a daily basis? Do you work? Are you, are you in, in teaching? Are you a student? Are you retired? Are you professional? What, whatever it is, you are connected to someone in your daily happenings. Can you look through a lens of what God may have equipped you with and why God has provided these connections for you? Because I don't have the connections you have. You have them. You don't have the connections I have. I have them. So can you use those connections? And can you use those to further the mission and the vision of Jesus? I'm going to have the band come up. Grant, our lead pastor extraordinaire here, he did a DJ thing this past week at the marketplace. Glendora City Marketplace had a pop-up shop. Kira was there. There was different um, vendors and um, artists, and it was very, very cool. And when I found him there, the first I found I found my way to him there, and the first thing he said to me was, "I'm preaching. I'm preaching here." And I said, "Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are." Because you know what, just he's not, you know, he didn't show up in his pastor badge and he didn't, you know, have a big sign on his turntable that said, hey, if you need Jesus, come talk to me. He just simply was there. He was present and he was making connections. Strangers were coming up to him and telling him story after story about music, about their lives, about all sorts of things. Grant's connections, the story of God in his, in his life, go beyond these walls. Go beyond these walls, go beyond preaching on a Sunday morning. And it's the same is true for all of us. You know, when I saw this picture, and Grant was there and playing his music, and <clears throat> I've encouraged him to add some karaoke to that. He says that will never happen. But this picture really made me think of the song that we sing here, and we really enjoy the song Vagabonds, right? The song Vagabonds. And the song talks about just so many different people in the world, dreamers and schemers, winners, losers, people like me. Come all you questioners looking for answers, searching for reasons and sense in it all. 
Come all you've fallen, come all you've broken, find rest for your body and strength for your soul. From every station and orientation, the helpless, the hopeless, the young and the old, stay a while, welcome you'll be. And come feast, there is room at the table, come let us meet in this place. With the king of all kindness who welcomes us in with the wonder of love and power of grace. Now, that doesn't always have to be around a table. That can be at a pop-up shop. That can be at your work. That can be in walking my dog. That can be in wherever your connections are. Who are you connected to outside of these walls? How can you really see them? How can you really hear them? At the beginning of Lent, I think I left my booklet, so I've filled out somewhere on the premises. At the beginning of Lent, we filled out booklets that said, hey, these are the people that we're praying for, hoping to connect with. That was February 22nd. Guess what? Easter is next week. Can you believe it? Easter is next week. It, It feels like yesterday that I was writing down those names in that book. Maybe you filled it out, maybe you didn't, but at this point, ask God, God, this week being Holy Week, who would I connect with? Who would I connect with? Who might I see? There is so much room at the table. There is so much room for connection. There is so much room for you to take the mission and vision and the task that was set before us and connect with others beyond what is in here. We're literally going to set a table here on Thursday night. Thursday night, if you haven't set that apart in your calendar, set it apart now. It is an incredible experience. An incredible experience that just builds and builds and builds. And we're going to hear about that and see a little bit about that at the end of the service. But who might need to be invited to the table Or do you just need to be present at the table? Maybe you're thinking, no, I'm good. But there's room at the table. There's a place set just for you. Come to the table. Do I want you to invite people because I want to fill the church up? Well, sure. Sure, that would be great, but that is not the goal. The goal is not numbers. The goal is experience. The goal is that we would experience something of meaning and that people who are here would catch a glimpse of the vision and the mission that Jesus commissioned us with. And that's all of us. We're all commissioned to do that. We're going to go to communion now. And I want you to hold the bread and the cup. And I want you to be ready to take it together because there is a place for you and for me and to do it together. I'm going to have Chris go back there and I will be up here. Let's do that. When Jesus gathered around the table, when he gathered around many tables, he was surrounded with all sorts of people, with all sorts of stories. And he was connected to each and every one of them. 
because it was his table. It was his table. I like to think that every time we do this, we're gathered around his table. He once told a story of a rich man who invited all sorts of people to sit around his table. And one of his servants came back and said, he said, there's still more room. And the master said, well, go out and get more so that my house would be full, so that they would taste, so that they would see. Go out and get more. We take this bread and we take the cup and remember that he invites each and every one of us and all the people we are connected to, he invites us all to drink from the same cup. Let's take both of them right now. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for setting the table. We thank you for making room for more. Lord, sometimes we feel like we don't deserve a place at the table or what could we bring to the table or... But God, you have called us exactly how we are, exactly who we are, is who you made us to be. With, your con- with the connections that you've given us, God, you have made us for a specific purpose, for the task at hand. God, that this week we would see people through your lens and through the lens of the mission and the vision that you have given us. Lord, would we, would we be willing, would we be able to start with a simple hello and start with a simple, how are you doing? Lord, that we would make room at the table for others. Lord, you want your house full You want us in it, and you want everyone in it, Lord. Lord, that we would be able to feel equipped. We'll be scared, we'll be unprepared, we'll be nervous, we'll be wobbly with our words, God, but you are there. Lord, thank you for setting the table for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you read this slide with me again? The dreamers and schemers slide, Electra. Would you read it with me, ready? Dreamers and schemers, winners, losers, people like me. Come, all you questioners, looking for answers, searching for reasons and sense in it all. Come, all you fallen, come, all you broken, find rest for your body and strength for your soul. 
from every station and orientation, the helpless, the hopeless, the young and the old. Stay a while, welcome you'll be. Come to the feast, there is room at the table. Come, let us meet in this place. With the king of all kindness who welcomes us in, with the wonder of love and the power of grace. Shall we sing the song? Yeah? Let's stand up and let's sing the song together. Amen.